Welcome to Changing the Way People Feel About Insurance with FWD. My guest this week is Gavin Lai, FWD's Assistant Vice President in Brand and Marketing. And we've got a great theme to unpack. We're talking about how to write. Writing should be about being empathetic to your reader. We're also talking about what happens when you take away insurance jargon. My favourite comment of all time was when somebody said, I wouldn't be shy to take this out in public. And we're talking about being committed to change. One of the things that I wouldn't underestimate is that it takes a unique company to firstly choose to embark on this journey and then secondly to actually carry it through. There's lots to talk about, so let's jump right in. Here's Gavin. Gavin, I know that Project Clarity has been written about before and even featured in media. It's a really inspiring piece of work. But I think let's start off with a little explainer. What is Project Clarity? So Project Clarity, I think the best way to describe it is it's an FWD project to make it easier for customers to understand exactly what we're saying to them. You know, insurance is renowned for being ridiculously complicated. And because FWD is a company with a vision to change the way people feel about insurance, you know, we decided to throw away the rule book that said you have to use complicated, jargon-filled contracts. In fact, we decided to rewrite the whole rule book. Uh And we just wanted to make things easy for customers. Yeah. Is it how you express in words or is it pretty much everything else? Well, it's quite easy for people to sort of assume that to make something easy to read or to understand, you really just have to work on the words. Of course, using plain language really does help. But what we also discovered is that using other tools really does make such a big difference. So things like design, how the words are laid out on the page, using diagrams and charts to really help amplify and explain the content that you're writing as well. So using all those tools at our disposal in order to really get to that end outcome, which is to help people know what we're saying to them. Yeah, this project started in 2015. How do you even begin with a project like this? Because whenever we think about insurance, we often think about jargon and technical language, and I don't understand it. So my head hurts just thinking about it. How did you begin? Well, honestly, I did not get off to a flying start. (laughs) On day one, I remember our team being given this challenge to make the most complicated document produced by insurance companies and maybe ever produced in the world, the insurance contract, and our challenge was to make it easy to read. Over the first few weeks, we came to a humbling realisation that even though the team had years of experience in insurance, that wasn't going to be enough. For example, I'm a lawyer and none of that training or experience was going to be of any help to me at all because I never really looked at what we produce from the eyes of the customer or reader. 
That's interesting. And I mean, it seems ridiculous to say this, but even terms like the term of a policy or an insurance rider isn't necessarily something that everyone can instantly understand. In fact, again, interestingly, you previously mentioned that FWD is starting to call insurance riders insurance add-ons because that's what they are. They're add-ons to add on to your insurance plan. It seems that there's a lot of technical language that really could benefit from a few simple changes. Yeah, the amount of jargon and insurance terminology never ceases to amaze me. Mm. So yeah, I mean, definitely it's been a sort of personal mission of mine to go through and come up with plain language alternatives to a lot of the terms that we use or to really develop good explanations for what we mean and to use them wherever possible. Because as you say, it's not the customer's world, Mm. right? Insurance Mm. is not part of a customer's world. So they do not deal with these terms every day. And we're lucky if they actually sit through and read all the material that we send through the first time that we send it. So we really can't waste that opportunity. And it just takes a little bit of extra effort from us Mm. to put ourselves in their shoes and Mm. to really walk them through what we've given them. So obviously, when we're writing, the key is to use as few words as possible because people today simply don't have the time, the patience or even the concentration to read big walls of text. But you've sort of touched on this, which is quite interesting. There is one exception, and that's when you're trying to explain something that's quite technical or complex. I'll I'll let you pick up and explain that one properly. Um, And this is part of my own personal learning journey. (laughs) As I really worked with experts in fields like graphic design and information design, it became clear that to make a complex document simpler, there are a number of different ways that you can do that. Mm. And each of those ways involve usually some sort of trade-off. So the first and most obvious way to make a document simpler is to make it shorter. But Mm. of course, if you make something shorter, you're stripping out some of the words or removing some of the words And you always run the risk of losing some of the meaning if you do that. It's not something you necessarily want to do with such an important document as an insurance contract, for instance. A second option is to amplify the content. Mm. So actually what you're doing is you're introducing or you're recognising that there may be something which is foreign or confusing to the reader. Instead of removing that, you will actually explain it. So you'll amplify the content, taking the time to perhaps explain some of the more difficult aspects, Mm. which then, of course, the trade-off is that you've got more content. Yeah, you've got more words. I mean, crikey, from a geeky writer's perspective, I'm loving just having this conversation with you because it's just so interesting about how you can use more words to simplify something which goes against the grain of the common thought around keeping things short. So in other words, if you need to create clarity, don't be afraid to use more words if you need to. Yeah, that's exactly right. Not only can you, you know, employ these approaches to make something simpler, but there are a few, let's say, hygiene factors. So, of course, that is using plain language, using human language. That's going to be a a must. The second is to use headings, break up the content into easier-to-read chunks Uh so that if you're skimming the document, you're not going to be overwhelmed with a wall of text. And then don't be afraid to use more words. Interesting. Writing should be about being empathetic to your reader. Mm. And there's nothing less empathetic than thrusting a huge wad of papers or a whole huge wall of text 
on them and expecting them to read all of it. There are limits. It's important to be aware that there are limits on sort of human working memory. That's why credit card numbers, say, are written in groups of four. Mm. Before we started Project Clarity, we would regularly see single sentences that were up to 80 words long. And I told you that I studied law. And I would be forced to pore over these hugely long judgments. But we are kidding ourselves if we think that customers are going to do the same with anything that we send them, including (laughs) an insurance contract. Absolutely. That would seem like a punishment. And I think everyone responds to an easy reading experience. I mean, just because we know all the big words doesn't mean to say that we want to be reading them necessarily and having these big 80 word long sentences. So This means using the most intuitive words and the simplest words, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, our ultimate goal is to make our communications intuitive. That's why I like Apple products. You can pick them up and it's easy and effortless to do what you need to do. Mm. You don't really need to read an instruction manual. Yeah. And in fact, this sort of leads me on to what I wanted to ask you next, which is just to dive a bit more into the design part of the process. I mean, we've discussed words What about things like icons and white space? Can you tell me what you've learnt about the design process or how contracts or brochures should be designed? Yeah, sure. Very early on, I was a bit stuck. And what I discovered was a whole discipline centred around making information easy to understand called information design. Mm. Ultimately, it's about turning data into information and using different techniques from different disciplines to make something that's really complicated easy. It incorporates principles from typography, from graphic design, of course, from linguistics and psychology and a bunch of other fields. Mm. You know, when I found that, I actually realised that that was the thing that I was missing, right? That kind of purposeful, mindful thinking about the design that would help readers to understand more from what we were putting into the contract. Mm. This is also fascinating and I feel like there's so much to say. Let's go back to starting Project Clarity with FWD. Can you talk to me about the very first Project Clarity project, if you like, like which market was it in and was it a contract? What was your very, very first Project Clarity project that went live? We started in Hong Kong and the day it went live was super, super special because it was really the culmination of a huge amount of work, hours of discussion and lots of debates with lots of stakeholders like legal people and compliance people and underwriting people and product people. Obviously, there's a change of management piece to this, but in terms of when it went live, what has been the response? Because, yeah, people might go, why are you doing this? This has worked for tens of years. Yeah, well, from day one, we had lots of focus group discussions. There was a common reaction to people who see the contract for the first time. The first is pleasant surprise, Mm. almost like they were thinking... I thought you were going to get us to read a contract. What's this? This is definitely not a contract. (laughs) They'd cite the colour and the icons that we incorporated and just how easy it was to read. My favourite comment of all time was when somebody said, I wouldn't be shy to take this out in public to read. (laughs) (laughs) And so I like to imagine that one day 
I'll walk into a coffee shop and see just a bunch of people yeah. reading FWD contracts very <laughs> extravagantly in an effort to impress people. <laughs> so We have to make that happen. <laughs> yeah, that would make my day. Uh, we have done a number of external research pieces, mainly to help build the case and show the value to the regulators in some of our markets. We spent a long time preparing our presentation and providing the research findings that we'd conducted. And, you know, after all of that, we weren't prepared for the first question, which was, can you make all insurance contracts like that? <laughs> I mean, it was a relief, but, but it was also a really strong sense of validation from that because yeah. this was unknown territory. We didn't really know what the response of the regulator would be, mm. particularly because in some markets, the insurance contract wording, it's not mandatory or mandated wording, but often it's sort of based on a model wording. So we just weren't sure what the response would be to FWD coming to enhance or an unkind interpretation would be to tinker with the wording that the industry had been using for some time. So we have had support from regulators within our markets. It does help that FWD already has a reputation for being a force for positive change for customers. We've mm -hmm. campaigned, for example, to remove unnecessary exclusions from our insurance policies and, and we've been trailblazer on that front. Mm. What about Customer feedback. I mean, obviously, it's so important to get validation, as you've said, from your regulators and from your legal teams and from anyone to do with compliance. But what about the customers? Have you had any feedback? I mean, even if it's anecdotal, what kind of feedback have you had on these contracts? Yeah, we've conducted research in Hong Kong, Philippines and Thailand the response has been the same in the sense that when they read it, they're always pleasantly surprised by the look and feel and the design and, and how easy it is to read. Mm. And, you know, actually we have done a number of different types of tests. So we did recreate the speed and the accuracy tests, always in looking to confirm what we are doing and the changes that we're making actually not only create an, an enjoyable reading experience, but are also effective in achieving that communication of information that we're looking for. Yeah. And I'm guessing another knock-on effect is the fact that FWD customers are getting better answers from your call centre teams or your online help teams because those guys can understand the products better as well. I'm just guessing that if you call up, if I worked in a call centre and somebody said, what about this clause? If I don't understand it as a member of staff, I haven't got a hope of explaining or helping a customer understand it too, right? Funny you should mention this. Early on, during those many focus group sessions, we actually discovered that some staff members found that the traditional style of contracts were so difficult to decipher. And I don't think this is limited to FWD by any means. I'm, I'm sure it's common throughout the industry because all insurance contracts pretty much look and read the same. So when we rolled out Project Clarity, there's no doubt that there's been positive impacts for call centre staff, frontline sales staff, because it's now easier for them to find the information they need. And an added benefit is that there's less likely to be challenges or disagreements with customers because mm -hmm. they've got that common reference point, which is 
less ambiguous than the traditional contract. So interesting. I'm guessing this is a process. I mean, you need to create all new customer contracts into Project Clarity format. But you also then, or maybe in parallel, need to start converting existing customer contracts. So like, where are you up to and how many markets now have Project Clarity fully embedded or you know, are in flight? So from a pure insurance contract point of view, five of our markets use our Project Clarity template for all new customer contracts. In the remaining markets... We've been sort of laying the groundwork, Mm -hmm. things like presenting to regulators and providing justifications and warming up the concept so that we can be in a position to roll it out in the future. It's difficult to apply the new template to existing policyholders. Mm -hmm. So it's not something that we're looking to do. We're really only focusing on new contracts. The scope of Clarity has now expanded, so it's way beyond contracts. When Clarity started to gather momentum, it actually created a bit of a dissonance with the rest of our communications. So you would receive the new Project Clarity contract, but it would be nestled within, you know, a very traditional looking letter and traditional forms and other bits and pieces. So you could really now see a big difference. So in fact, what happened is we raised the standard of our contracts, we kind of raised our own expectations, actually. So in 2020, last year, we made the decision to make Clarity the official way that we communicate in all of our customer communications. You can imagine that's a very wide scope. It covers brochures and websites and letters all the way through to SMS messages. So it's a big job. In terms of progress, by the end of last year, we had transformed 330 documents across our markets, which is a a huge achievement. But Mm -hmm. we're really looking to transform all of our communications over the next two years. So now we have a dedicated group of Clarity champions throughout the business. It's them that lead the change within our markets. And of course, like, make sure that nothing is lost, given ultimately has to be translated into a local language. Has it been a process of finding the advocates or the cheerleaders in each market as well? One of the things that I wouldn't underestimate is that it takes a unique company to firstly choose to embark on this journey and then secondly to actually carry it through. And that is one thing that I have had the good fortune of being able to rely upon, which is that we do really attract people at FWD who do want to challenge the status quo. So when, when others zig, FWD zags. That's right. <laughs> it was FWD's reputation that made me want to work here originally. And it's pretty cool to be part of a team that now helps to shape and grow that brand reputation. Mm. What keeps me motivated is that we're not just focused on that surface level brand stuff like logos or colours even though they are important, they're only important because they signify what we offer customers, which is that simpler and more positive insurance experience. Yeah. You know, we're working at every touch point to change the way people feel about insurance. On that note, what an inspiring and interesting chat. Gavin, thank you so much. And I'll be looking out for people in coffee shops reading your contracts. Yes, please. Thanks for having me on the podcast and thanks for all the great questions. 
So that ends our podcast. And if you'd like to find out more about FWD, you can head to the group website, which is fwd.com. My name's Fiona Mattesini. Thanks for listening. Thank you.